Well, as we listen to that story about those wise ones who came from the east, uh, they saw something and they told others about it. They came on a long journey to to uh, and got many signs along the way. They saw signs, then they saw Jesus, and then they shared it all around. Uh, kind of became a pattern from those who would come and see Jesus that it's something you couldn't contain. So we're going to focus a little bit today on what it means to see and to tell. And that's one of the reasons why we started with uh, one of the gathering carols being Go Tell It on the Mountain. Well, if we're going to take that seriously, if we're going to go tell it on the mountain, what are you going to tell? Well, what are you going to say? Well, why is it important? Why should anybody pay any attention? Um, you know, and I'm not sure anyone's going to be up at the mountain anyway, but, you know, wherever you go, um, what are you going to tell them? Um, so, we'll get kicked off a little bit with our pairing and sharing and do a little bit of opening our minds, a little bit about this idea of uh, seeing and telling, and then I'll, I'll speak to it uh, a little bit more with our scriptures. So you see you have a couple pairing and sharing questions in here. What have you seen on your spiritual journey in your life? What have you seen? And how do you talk about it? What have you seen and how do you talk about it? There's not a right or wrong answers here. There is what have you seen and how do you talk about it? Um, and the second one for your consideration is go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born, the carol says. Why is, it, why is it important to you and to the world that Jesus Christ is born? Why is that important at all? And if you don't think it's important, you can say that too. Once again, there's no right or wrong answers here. There's, this is a sharing time. So to remind you on the pairing and sharing a little bit about how it works, um, we started this last May coming out of the conference annual meeting where they encouraged us to spend much more time in relational conversation with each other about important things. Um, and so we've been trying to take that seriously uh, in these many months since then. Uh, and so it really works well over time if we, if we take on the challenge. It's, it's hard sometimes, I know, to not always talk to the same person or maybe even talk to somebody who we're thinking, I don't have no idea whether that would be a good conversation or not, um, whatever it might be. Because as we mix and do that over time, and as we strengthen our relationships with one another, we strengthen who we are as people who see and tell what it means to be a progressive Christian church in the 21st century in Colville. So another piece of that is to encourage you, once again, there's no rules here, to encourage you not to, uh, to, to not take the easiest route here, which often if you came here with a spouse means talking with your spouse, but uh, if, if you have your spouse with you, I encourage you to, to do it twice. Do it once with somebody else right now in conversation, and then go home and do it with your spouse, and, and then you get double dose out of the whole thing and double excitement uh, in what the insights might be. So. Anyway, that's just all a little bit of the framework for how the pairing and sharing works, why we do it, and hopes for how you might do it. But now you can 
go forth and do whatever you want. Um, spend a few minutes, find somebody to, to chat with, and uh, and pick one of these two questions or talk about the weather, whatever you do. So. find a natural ending point to your conversation. I hope you had some good conversations and some enlightening enlightening moments during those conversations. Um, So, as I was getting ready for today, I was realizing um, I am troubled on two subjects right now. Um, the first one is, as I look at how crazy our world's gotten, um, <clears throat> so the first thing I'm troubled about is, what do we know and how do we know it? What do you know for sure? You're sure? And how do you know it? And we come back to that one in a minute, but I'm going to introduce to you one I'm not going to spend time talking about now, but I think probably it looks like it's going to come up in the last half of January of where my brain's going now anyway. And so the second one I'm troubled about is in this fractured world that we live in, even the smallness of our communities here, um, is community possible? Or to ask it in the St. Paul way, is the body of Christ possible? Is it possible um, to really come together and build that kind of community? But we'll leave that one aside for now, but I just wanted to frame for you two things that are that really kind of have me uh, processing a lot right now um, and trying to figure out how I live with that, how I respond to those kinds of uh, questions right now. But let's go back to what do we know and how do we know it? And maybe consciously you're aware of this as you're reading and hearing this Matthew story today. Maybe you weren't, but it was, kind of, it was I was constantly thinking of, you know, how do these wise folk know what they think that they know? So I want to go through the story a little bit more for you again. Um, so in the time of King Herod, King Herod had responsibility for all the occupied people, the, the Jews. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking. So they came that's like, you know, the hinterlands, basically, compared to what Jerusalem is about. And they came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born the king of the Jews? So they had not been part of any community that was having any conversations about any of these possibilities. They were not Jewish people, so they weren't even hearing certain things in what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, about how there might be some someone coming, a Messiah coming, whatever. 
which was part of part of Judaism, not all of it, that, that we'd have those kind of conversations. For we have observed his star and its rising and have come to pay him homage. How many of you like to look at the stars? Yeah. Um, there's a ancient religion still around that some of you may know about. Zoroastrianism, I think is how you say it. Um, it's possible, likely, we don't get enough information that these wise men were, were part of that kind of a religion. Um, and so they took very seriously um, following the stars. Um, and uh, we observed the stars rising and come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened. Well, yeah, he was he got frightened about anything that would threaten his power. He was afraid that the power of some of those looking at the stars and getting some guidance might create a threat to his power. Um, and he didn't know anything about who this baby Jesus might be. Imagine being that threatened by the possibility of a baby being born. By the time that baby would be old enough, right? King Herod probably wouldn't even be around anymore. But that's what happens sometimes when you're in that kind of a power, especially when you don't have the consensus of the people with you, right? Everything kind of threatens you, and you might have some outrageous behavior as a result of it, or crazy thoughts about what could threaten your power. Um, so he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem was frightened with him. Really? Maybe. Maybe they were. Do you think so? And calling together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. So they then quote to him, uh, Micah 5.2. You can look it up. Uh, Micah 5.2 in the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament. In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is the shepherd of my people Israel. Right there from the prophets. Of course, the prophets always threaten the kings and the established religious leaders um, because prophets are always calling you to do something different than the establishment, right? In the established power ways. So then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found it, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they heard, had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star. So they saw the star and they headed on this journey. Then they didn't see the star for a while. They got the clue about Bethlehem, which they didn't know because they were not Jews. They didn't know what the prophets had said. Um, and so they set out and they head for, um, for Bethlehem. Um, they followed the star again at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. Okay, now, this is where I start. The, my brain goes a bunch of different directions here. Okay, so the star stopped. Did it? <laughs> and it stopped over where Jesus was born so that um, it clearly wasn't the house next door. 
right? Or there's actually in a barn, probably by an inn, is what we think. So it didn't stop over the inn, it stopped over. Have you ever tried to trace a star in the sky straight down to what it's actually possibly over? That's pretty complicated. But this is how they tell it, right? They see something, they have an experience of something. It's like this a lot of experiences in our life. And this is the way they experienced it to them. It was as if the star took them exactly to the spot where they needed to be. And they were overwhelmed with joy. Now at this point, you know, they're not Jews. They're not budding Christians at all. So something is moving them. Something coming out of their understanding of following stars and following um, certain instincts is leading them. Following maybe Zoroastrian religion, things like that. It's really hard to tell. They don't give us enough information here. Um, and of course they... They enter the house and they, they come prepared with gifts. And then another way of knowing. So one way of knowing was the star, right? Another way of knowing was King Herod talking to the chief priests and the scribes and finding out what the prophet Micah had said and knowing to go towards Bethlehem and continue to follow the star. So that's another way of knowing. But now they have a dream warning them about King Herod because they didn't understand that King Herod was threatened by this. They thought he was just interested, probably. Um, so another way of knowing is in a dream. Okay. So this brings us into the whole question of how you know things. Um, what, what do you know and how do you know them? And how can you verify to anybody else that what you know is valid? Right? Um, and it gets us into the whole question, especially when we get into it as progressive Christians, um, uh, about the Bible. How do we know what's true in the Bible? How do you know it? What's true in the Bible? And what kind of truth is it? Is it meant to be factual truth? Like if a reporter was there writing everything down, is it meant to be scientific truth? Is it meant to be historical truth? actual truth about all kinds of things? Or is it meant to open up doors and windows for our own spiritual journey, for our reflections, to understanding those deeper truths inside, those ones that you really can't necessarily come out and say, see, everybody can understand this is true. You know, what kind of truth is it? What kind of true understanding that these wise men think they had. I mean, don't you want to sit down with them and say, you went on a very long journey. Off of what? Off of a star and a few other clues along the way and a dream that helped you out, helped you get in maybe some more trouble. Um, so I think Epiphany Sunday is one of those times that's, that's, that causes us to stop and say, okay, we've just been through the holiday time, as we call it, the the season of Advent and Christmas and everything else that our culture has packed around that. And so now we catch our breath and say, what happened in this season for you, for me? What happened? 
something you now know that you didn't know before, and how do you know it? What were some of the experiences you had? Hopefully you had some good conversation about, you know, what it means that, that Jesus was even born. Um, and part of our whole spiritual journey is to, to sometimes take the uh, kind of childhood storytelling and myths about what happened and what it means. And as we go through life and we have other experiences and we study this and that, whether it's science or whatever, we're constantly needing to reinterpretate, re-evaluate, re re-understand, re-experience, and we come out, hopefully, not usually at the same place every time. Usually we've gone down the road a little bit further. Um, but I think we're at a special particular period of time where so much is happening in our culture that is... Um, you know, challenging the question of does anybody know anything and how do they know it? Um, you know, I was just reading letters to the editor and the spokesman today and there was one just laughing at people who believe that the climate's changing at all. And this person just you know, believes that every single person that thinks the climate is changing, including the scientists, are just putting their own bias on it and t telling us whatever they want to tell us and it's for their own purposes and they, of course, know that none of it could be true. Well, how do they know that? And why do they think somebody else has no knowledge of it? Somebody who might be a scientist spending their whole life doing research and getting peer-reviewed and all this, and, and they think they're sitting at home and they think that they know it. And, you know, I can sit there and I, I kind of scoff at those letters and I can... I can in my worst moments, laugh at somebody who just says crazy things. But you know, I go through my days and somebody says something, and I have no reason to know if it's true or not, but it just seems crazy to me. And I immediately say, that can't be true. You know? Um, we all know that in some ways it happens to us. Of course, as I get older, I have the experience with my wife. Maybe some of you have these experiences where I know that when I was younger, when I swore that I did such and such and such, and these three steps were taken care of and it all happened, and she would say, no, it didn't happen, I could prove to her that it did. And I still have that same energy. And then I find out half the time that, oh, I only thought I did it in my head. I didn't really do it. Anybody else have that experience? You know? So, what do we know? And how do we know it? Because Epiphany is a time that tells us, Arise, let your light shine. But we're supposed to be letting our light shine and sharing about something that we kind of know, not just in our brain, but in our bones. But what is it that we know? And how do we know it? And in this really fractured society that we live in, how do we share with somebody else what we know and how we know it in a way that doesn't say, therefore, see what you think you know is wrong? Right? How do we do that? And so I think that's a challenge for us followers of Jesus who call ourselves progressive Christians because we have pushed against so long against the 
the part of Christianity that is so sure it knows. Uh, they won't let somebody come to the communion table unless they agree to these ten things. Or they won't let them become a member of the church. Or they won't marry them. Or they won't do these things because they're so sure. And we so often stand for not being so sure. But what do we do with not being so sure? We still need to know something, don't we? Because we have to go tell it on the mountain. We need to share it. Even if we don't do it in a judgmental way. If there's something important that we know, do we keep it to ourselves? And if not, how do we share it? And how do we share that we know it? In our bones. That's the call of epiphany. Is to deal with the very challenge of our culture today. Of figuring out a new way to understand what it is we know. How it is we know it. And how it is we share it with others without having to pit ourselves against each other. That's the question, how we can do that. Now, I can't give you the answer to that question right now, but I think it's something for 2019 for us to grapple with. It's, it's, it's not good enough for us to know that others are being too proscriptive in Christianity, and therefore, where are the free ones from all of that? People are grabbing for they, they need something, they want something. What do we have? What do we know that we can share? That we can sing as excitedly as Go Tell It on the Mountain? What is it that we offer that we can invite others to consider? Let's hope in 2019 we can continue to journey down to a new and exciting and hopeful understanding of what it is we know, how it is we know it, and we can find new ways to go tell it on a mountain and to share it and invite others.